0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.
1: Hey, it's Kramer. My mission is simple, to make you money. And I want to tell you about a new CNBC podcast that'll make you smarter by giving you context, color, and debate on the biggest stories in business news and politics. Squawk Pod, from my friends at Squawk Box, is available every morning after 10 a.m. I'm sharing a full episode with you now, but subscribe to Squawk Pod today. Booyah!
2: Bring in show music, please.
3: This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box.
2: NYC, this is CNBC
3: Control Two. CNBC's Essential Morning Show. here, too. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod, trade talk volatility again.
1: That's today's trade report. New York
3: trade
4: report. The hour, perhaps. Do hour.
3: But billionaire Ken Langone says Trump is on the right track negotiating with China.
5: I'll guarantee you one thing. It'll be a better deal than we have right now or we've had for the last 40 years.
3: And Ryan Land, CEO of ConocoPhillips, has a plan to survive oil market uncertainty, a 10-year plan.
5: We've just decided
6: to embrace the volatility that's naturally in the market.
3: Plus, Alphabet's new leadership and a warning for the housing market. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Wednesday, December 4th, 2019.
4: Squawk Pod begins right now.
2: Three, two, one. on Becky.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today, but filling in, we've got Tom Farley. He is the CEO of Farpoint Acquisition Group, the former president of the NYSE and a CNBC contributor. Good to see you. First up on today's
3: podcast, as it so often is, China headline du jour, or hour, as Becky called it this morning. If there's a lesson from the last couple of weeks, it's that every trade headline matters to the markets, even if it's reversed within the day. Just look at the last 24 hours. Yesterday, President Trump sent a shockwave through the markets after announcing a trade deal with China might make more sense after the 2020 election. Then, early this morning, as we started Squawk Box, the markets reversed course and indicated to open higher on a Bloomberg report that people familiar with the matter said the U.S. and China are getting closer to agreeing on the amount of tariffs that would be rolled back in a phase one trade deal. This is all happening while President Trump is in London for the 70th anniversary of NATO's founding. Let's get back to Becky.
4: I guess if there's a lesson from the last 24 hours, It's that every trade headline could swing things in one direction or the other. Markets are watching this, waiting to see what happens as we get closer to that December 15th deadline for when additional tariffs are expected to go on if there's not a trade deal that's reached. Yesterday was a little bit of a rough session for stocks. The Dow at one point falling more than 400 points before closing down by 250 points. That's its worst day since early October, and that tells you a little bit about where we've come in these markets, the idea that a 1% pullback we haven't seen that in over two months.
1: How long have we been hitting new highs for two, three months, up to 3150 yeah. or so on the yeah. S&P. But we I think gotta, a lot
4: of that was built on the assumption that you would see, if not some trade deal that was done, well, you would not the additional tariffs put on on December. Now
1: we're 15. back to that. Now right. we're back to that. We're going to supposedly, according to this person, and who knows which person, this hour, which camp, this is. hour, yeah, yeah which <laughs> right. camp. But we're going to have something by December 15th, and there won't be additional tariffs. Anyway, when it was all said and done, we have a two-day. 1.9% Do you, want call, you want to call it market turmoil? I don't know. It's 1.1%. It was 1.9%. For two
4: It was percent the, the down. Ho-
7: off all-time the highs. Welcome. So one percent percent up for the year. Right.
1: 1.9% right. yeah. down from all-time highs. Welcome, Any, by the way, much needed. It. Needed it. It's a good thing, overall. Okay. Shake it off a little. Probably need more Absolutely. than that. This is a... Shake the trees. This is a... What is this? This is not even a... I don't know. This is like a... Hangnail. Look,
2: equity. Expo- Not even psoriasis. Equity exposure has been optimistic for the entire year. You have a friendly Fed that's underneath the market that's supporting the market. Anytime cautious optimism evolves into extreme optimism, which over the last couple of weeks, it seems to have. It's good if you temper that enthusiasm, have a little bit of a
1: pullback in the market, because that leads you to the next road higher. Let's get the latest uh, trade buzz from Eamon Jeffers uh, in Washington. Who was it, Eamon? Uh, was it from our side, and was, was it the... Uh, the more, if that wasn't Navarro, probably. Who do you think it was? Mnuchin or something?
8: The, the source for this uh, Bloomberg piece that we're all talking about this morning? Yes. You know, there's like three senior administration officials who do tend to talk. Um, uh, not sure I can name exactly which senior administration official probably talked should. to Bloomberg, but they're saying uh, U.S. China moved closer to trade deal uh, despite heated rhetoric. So that gives you a sense that uh, we might be getting halfway there. But a lot of these reports have been giving you the sense. That we're getting halfway there and halfway there and halfway there and as you know you can go halfway there forever without actually getting there so not clear where what this necessarily means the president is in London, where he has been making headlines about trade during the course of the week. A lot of complexities on the global stage here for the president to sort through in London, and we'll watch for those relationships during the course of the day today as we see these further bilateral meetings between the president and European leaders, uh, and wh- whether we get any indication from any of those where any of these trade negotiations between the U.S. and uh, the European countries or the U.S. and China, where any of that is going to land, Joe. Yeah, they I guess, ascribing some of uh, President Trump's uh, comments, as, or not
1: ascribing, but describing them as uh, not necessarily um, policy, but sort of speaking just off the top of his head. That's what we're hearing.
8: Off the cuff, right? Yeah, off the cuff. But he does a lot of off the cuff. Well, he right?
1: does. He does. And, you know, it, in the way he does it, you got to love it. It's like... I'm thinking that, but I'm not going to say it. But right after he said it, which is, it's just, it's kind of funny. But On one question yesterday, he said, I don't want to answer that question. And then he answered the question. He did say, with Macron, he was pretty funny, too. You got to admit, where he goes, that was the biggest non-answer. You know, you're, that's why you're such a good politician, because you really don't say that anything. That was a
9: tense
8: meeting between Emmanuel Macron and President Big handshake, too,
1: right? A squeezy handshake from Macron yeah.
7: to... Uh 100% taxes on $2.4 billion worth of... Uh, French goods will make a relationship a little. You're frosty. You're still thinking about that, yeah. Uh, Champagne? Yeah. Can, can you still Champagne get Champagne and che- I can still get French onion soup without it, without it, without a tariff. <laughs> yeah. So we're And we're French good. fries. So we're good. And French fries. Yeah. <laughs> and French fries, though. I saw another. The, the potatoes are
1: getting smaller. I saw yep. that today. I don't know whether it's climate change or what. Hey, you know, Eamon, you you, yep. you really concern me with getting halfway there and then halfway there and halfway there because yep. I, that's asymptotic analysis, you will never get there. Do you, you realize right. that, of course? I mean, you get, right. you can see where you're trying to get, and you get closer, you know, you're within a millimeter of getting there, but you can, then you're you can only keep within a half a millimeter. By two and then a quarter, right? of, yeah, you'll never, ever get there. Let's just hope you're wrong so, about that. Maybe well, that's the
8: question, is is are we getting there? Does this indicate some underlying uh, reality, or are these just officials uh, sort of talking to reporters on, this, on the sly?
7: One thing that's obscured uh, with all the back and forth, the Mnuchin wing, the Navarro wing, is... Is there a deal on the table for the taking if we wanted it right now? Is there a Hold deal, off on the tariffs and buy is there a deal some, some sort of exactly. complete That's deal? It. Is that, is that yeah. deal? deal. On the, yeah. Is that skinny deal on That's, the table, that ready to take? It seems like it's possible,
8: time. right? I mean, it seems like the Chinese would agree to buy something uh, from the U.S. in exchange for the U.S. holding off on tariffs. Yeah, uh, like the question is how that's many tariffs we and what tariffs and which, which of the tit-for-tat responses during the course of the year will be rolled back at what time. And that is a much more complicated negotiation. But you could imagine right, but, that if the U.S. was willing to roll back all of its tariff increases, the Chinese would buy some goods and call it a day. Uh, but that's not what the president got in this for. That's not what he wants.
1: Let's get to Yunus Yun in Beijing for the trade
3: buzz from China. You know, just wanting to uh, weigh in bit on what you guys were discussing uh, with Eamon on that Bloomberg report. Um, Just based on on what my sources in China have said, they already thought that they had an agreement on a tariff rollback um, over a month ago or about a month ago on November 7th. That's when the Commerce Ministry, if you remember, um, had said that there was going to be a phase out of these tariffs um, and said it quite quite uh, proudly, um, but uh, then the next day, uh, President Trump had uh, backed away from it. So I think it's probably worth uh, taking this latest report with a grain of salt until, um, you know, the until we actually see ink hit paper.
1: All right. Thanks, Eunice. A surprise shakeup right at the top of Alphabet. Larry Page announcing he's stepping down as CEO, and Google chief uh, Sundar Pichai is taking over as head of the parent company in addition to his current role brin is stepping down as alphabets president and that position will be eliminated in a blog post a page and brin said it's the natural time to simplify our management structure they say they've never been ones to hold on to management roles when they think there's a better way to run the company and they say alphabet and google no longer need two ceos and a president uh, president and page and brin will remain on the board and are still the controlling shareholders um, they're both young, and so I mean, it, it's it's the We're amount of money that you we, we yeah to. right yeah good. they have they and they're young, but yeah. it's an amount of money that, that we can't I don't, we need scientific notation really sure. just to talk about those guys right just well, adding zeros. Caps,
7: the market cap's nearly a trillion dollars.
1: Yeah. They built a company to the Googleplex. Trillion dollars. And they're are they maybe they're fifty right? No, are, are they, no, I don't think they are. I was, just, I'm, hope, I'm, I'm I was just, just. Actually, let me look. That wishful I don't thinking. Think
4: they are. Everybody's
2: getting older. Yeah. For the stock itself, this is positive. Not much changes. It gives certainty on who the control 46. is. <laughs>
7: um,
2: I also think it's it's somewhat similar to what Tim Cook has successfully done with Apple with yeah. his statesman relationship with President Trump.
4: Right, moving I, on from the founder. I,
2: I, I think we need to know from Google who is the executive at Alphabet that is going to be communicating with Washington D.C. in a very critical point in the company's history over the next couple of years. As and regulatory this, forces. Right. And and this is the gentleman that's that's going to be leading them through. It's an um, he's he's been in charge. So when you look at the Fangs in twenty nineteen, it's been about Apple, it's been about Facebook, there's been an underperformance for the rest. I think looking forward you now have to consider Alphabet in that conversation as being an outperformer, and they're also implementing a very strong buyback plan, which they have kind of backed away from in prior years. I think that's going to lend a lot of support to the stock. So I think well, it's good. It's,
7: it's good for the stock, but it's only halfway there. I, I don't think investors are going to love necessarily that they still control the company, but they're going to be more removed from the company. So they're going to be. Able but to they've make been less removed already, the Tom.
2: They're, they're not. They're, 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 it's almost as if they've been an absentee CEO. This They do have control in the voting stock, but they're not there on a day to day basis. I think this provides the certainty and direction for him to oversee the entire umbrella. Um, I, I view that as a good thing.
4: A surprisingly downbeat forecast for the 2020 housing market from one of the largest names in real estate, and it could have big implications
9: for consumer spending. Diana Olick joins us right now with more. Diana, good morning. Good morning, Becky. Realtor.com, one of the nation's largest home listing sites, says the housing market will slow down next year. The headline of the report is home sellers will remain on the sidelines, and that will cause the inventory shortage to get even worse and could even hit that record low. Now, low inventory will cause sales to drop just under two percent from this year, according to the report. And home prices will flatten nationally as millennials, who account for half the buying market, struggle to afford overheated prices. In some major markets, however, Realtor.com is predicting prices will actually go negative. The first time that's happened since the housing crash. Now, those cities include Chicago, Dallas, Las Vegas, Miami, Detroit, St. Louis, and San Francisco. With prices weaker, sellers will have little incentive to, to put their homes on the market. Now, home construction is increasing, but it's largely on the upper end of the market, not at the entry level where demand is strongest. One of the only bright spots in the report is that mortgage rates will remain low. And in fact, they moved sharply lower yesterday on the China trade news. Becky.
4: Diana, thank you very much. Uh, Joe, does that concern you? Anything about the future of the stock market, if, if this is true?
2: No, because the consumer balance sheet is probably one of the strongest balance sheets that we have right now. Savings rate is up near 8%. That's a level that we have not witnessed uh, in probably 10 years. So consumer spending has been strong. I think that's going to continue. And I think it's a favorable condition if consumers are not just looking at the price of their home, utilizing the credit and running the, uh, the debt level in the house near as 90 percent. There's more to the consumer spending story. And I think that's why the buoyancy remains.
3: Cheese will be next. Coming up, billionaire Ken Langone thinks it's about time for a fair trade deal with China.
5: You got a little chihuahua, and you throw him in a cage with a lion that hasn't been fed in 30 days. The chihuahua's got about 15 seconds to say his prayers on his way to heaven. This is what we've done with the Chinese for 40 years, and they've taken our pants off.
0: SquawkPod
3: will be right back.
0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Squawk Pod is back. Hurry up, let's get to Ken Langone.
3: Ken Langone is a billionaire from humble beginnings. As a teenager in an immigrant family, he dug ditches for the Long Island Expressway. That was long before he co-founded Home Depot in 1978 and made his money on Wall Street. He's a veteran, a conservative, a big believer in the American dream and an even bigger philanthropist. You may have heard of NYU Langone Health. That's him. Or free tuition at NYU School of Medicine. Yep, also Ken. Langone is a longtime CNBC guest known for spirited debate on the Squawk set. He joined Becky, Joe, and Tom Farley this morning for two hours. Here are the podcast highlights.
1: We're joined by Ken Langone, president and chairman of InvaMed uh, Associates. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. That is not Andrew. I know. Looks like Andrew. He, he heard, it, more he heard I, I was coming on, and he was No, no, no. He no, hasn't been in this week at all. I'm telling you that. To a little I, to
7: the right of, of Andrew. That's why I'm a particularly A whole lot, lot
1: to the right. A <laughs> whole lot to the right. right. All right. All uh, right. That's not hard, though.
7: <laughs> Joe Terranova,
1: Senior Managing Director at Virtus Investment Partners. So, Ken, not only did you found one of the founders of, of Home Depot. So that's an mm. unbelievable company. Mm. But, mm. You know, hundreds of billions in, in market cap. So. Mm. A trade war is something I'm sure you've thought about, but you're still in the game with with you You got all these investments. What, what, what else is it? I look. What, 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 are you glad we're doing? The, are you glad Trump picked this fight with China and some of the other absolutely? You are.
5: You, it's been 40 years. We started out. Let's remember where we started. Give this country, our country credit. We started out helping them when they were making steel and pots in their backyards 40 years ago. We did everything we should have done to help a nation that large and that significant get on their feet and we did it. Okay? Now it's time to pay the bill. What's wrong? For too many years, whoever it is if the shoe fits wear, whoever we sent over there, it was easy. The Chinese had a great deal. We didn't have a good deal. We said to the Chinese, "Hey guys, come on, we got to we got to have this more balanced." Ah, Chinese say, "Well, look, we'll talk about it next year." So the dopes come home, and eh, we're going to talk about it next year." Next year comes, and you get the same thing. We have got to have balance. The most, biggest thing to me is intellectual property. That's the biggest thing of all. And I think I think Bob Lightheiser puts that at
1: the so top. So could we of his have done list. any of this without uh, the, but, the but, blunt, the but, blunt tariff
7: club? Could we have done it without? Territory. No,
5: because they're going to say to you, we'll talk to you next year.
7: As usual, I agree with everything you just said. But take us to. No, we're, give
5: we're, me your looks and we'll be even, OK?
7: <laughs> give me your money. That if I had it, your uh, money. You don't want my money. What the hell. <laughs> where does this end up? Where are we going?
5: It ends up we get a deal eventually.
7: With, including a, a deal on IP?
5: Let, I'll guarantee you one thing. It'll be a better deal than we have right now or we've had for the last 40 years. So anything's an improvement. Now, I think, I think Lighthizer...
4: Having said that, anything's an improvement. Would you take a deal, a super skinny deal, where the tariffs are rolled back and they agree to ag purchases only and it doesn't have intellectual property?
5: Um, if it's a first step towards a second step, I'll take it. If there's no f- way forward for anything beyond that, to hell with it. Okay? Look, China need, China's taken the olive out of the bottle, the first olive. Proof is Hong Kong. They have to figure a way out to govern 1.3 or 1.4 billion people, 300 of whom have had a taste of the good life.
4: Yeah.
5: Look, look, look at I'm a big investor in, in in young brands. They're doing a hell of a job. Look at the market over there for products American. So we we they know they've got to do something. I think the fact that China didn't go into Hong Kong. More aggressively than it has. Maybe I'll be wrong tomorrow, but I think the reason I haven't gone into Hong Kong is for one reason: they're afraid maybe it'll set something off in mainland China. That's a tough problem. We're doing the right thing. Tragically, over too many years we sent the wrong people. It's, I, I describe it as you got a little chihuahua, and you throw him in a cage with a lion that hasn't been fed in 30 days. The chihuahua's got about 15 seconds to say his prayers on his way to heaven. This is what we've done with the Chinese for 40 years, and they've taken our pants off. So that's how I feel. Thank God I'm not there to negotiate because it would be a tough job.
1: So there there is no, there is near term. I don't know about the stock market Mm. since we're at a high. I don't know about the jobs market. It seems pretty good. Mm. But there are plenty of people who say that the the, you know, President Trump worked really hard to get you know, to deregulate Mm. and to pass Mm. tax reform Mm. Mm. and that this basically neutralized or canceled out the positive benefits for both of those. What
5: neutralized? neutralized?
1: Well, because there hasn't been any uh, equipment spending, capital spending, manufacturing. That'll come. That'll, that'll come. That'll come. We should be willing to forego the immediate uh, effects look, of that. We should, so we were supposed to do 3% GDP growth. What, what if we do two because of the trade war, the, slow, the global slowdown? Is that okay? To, to- My
5: dear late friend Ross Perot said something during the Vietnam War. Don't commit the troops until you commit the country. Okay? All these things that are happening, I don't know about you, but I look out in the street at 7.15 in the morning in Manhattan. These people are all going to work. They're not going to get welfare checks. They're not going to get Social Security checks. They're all going to work. Things are good. And guess what? At the end of the day, your first concern is your own home and your own family. Things are good.
1: So I've been watching you. You just bought a bunch of S&P futures. Oh, uh, as a I, trader, based on what, what Langone is, is, is I, saying.
2: I'm always optimistic when I'm around, Ken. You Kent, didn't do that.
1: I'm no. kidding. But yeah, maybe he's he didn't. got not I, I haven't. I haven't hit, he's got I, hair. That's why he's optimistic. Yeah, yeah,
2: Ken, let, let me ask you, though. The, the president has been very critical of the Federal Reserve, specifically revolving currency manipulation, mm-hmm. not only with the Chinese, but around the world. Do you agree
5: with the criticism? Should the Fed be doing more? What president of the United States didn't jaw and bitch about the Fed when they were president of the United States? Come on, that's part of the territory. Now, this guy, what I do like is he's got some interesting twists and things he says about people. But guess what? This is... Should the Fed be doing more, you think, though? No, hell no. Rates should be higher. Look, (laughs) if we don't... What I'm worried about, with this prosperity we have now... This is when we should be paying down our debt, and our deficit should be shrinking.
1: So you compartmentalize. You, you, you just defended Trump with what he does with the Fed, and then you said rates should be higher. So you're compartmentalized. You, I think we can you take overlook it. a lot. Of, you, you give Trump a lot of leeway, right? A lot of well, his supporters do.
5: I, I'll tell you what I give him. He won the election. Right. He acted then the way he acts now. The American people can't say it was bait and switch. What you saw was what you got. The American people spoke. They spoke loud and clear. Who the hell would have thought in 2016 when he was coming down the escalator right. that he would get 63 million American votes? That's a whole lot of votes. And where Even he if he lost. It. Had he lost 63 million and from a party he was in that was not very enthusiastic about his candidacy. He didn't. There was no passion there for him. Let's be honest about it. In fact, you go back 12 years, he was supporting Hillary Clinton. He was a Democrat.
1: She was at his wedding.
5: By the way, I don't think he really knows what he is politically. I think he just does what he thinks his instincts tell him.
1: He's pretty far right at this point. He's pretty Republican at this point.
5: But, but back to the Fed? Yeah. How about these people that are living on pension funds?
1: Right. It's tough.
5: But worse? These pension funds become, as the, as the old high rates run off for of the bonds, and they replace them with low stuff, you exacerbate the actuarial challenges of those pension okay, funds.
4: There's no way they can
5: get the 7%. No way. No. Way. And what I worry about more are the states. Look at Illinois. It's, it's a round robin. Connecticut's next. They elect, they elect these guys. They say, oh, we're going to help you get elected, but you've got to give us what we want. So they're going further and further. And when, when does the bill come due? So... And meanwhile, this is the greatest country on earth, I'm fully invested, I love everything I see about America, we can do a lot of things better, public education, where the hell is all the talk in this campaign about public education? I, I wish my commie buddy was here today, because I was going to ask him, do your kids go to public schools? And I'll bet my last dollar he'll say no, and I'll say, well gee, if it's such a great education in public schools, I went to public schools, because I went to a school district, Roslyn, it was fabulous. And the teacher used to smack you with a ruler. And when I went home and told my mother the teacher smacked me with a ruler, she smacked me again because the teacher was always right. <laughs> okay, so I knew I didn't go home and complain about what Miss Fisher did in algebra.
4: My kids are in public schools.
5: Because you're in a good district. Yeah. And parents are involved. Yeah. And you hold people accountable. Yeah. What about these 900,000 kids in this city? What a travesty. <clears throat> what a disgrace. You want to give them income? You want to improve incremental quality, Educate these kids. Give these kids a shot. Nobody saying a word about it. Not a word. Nobody. Community colleges in America are a flop. They're a flop.
4: Why? What happened? What, what? what
5: the hell do I know? That All these people are going in debt to go to colleges where they're not learning anything.
7: Well, that's four-year colleges true. as well. There, there are a number. Well, uh, th- that's another thing. I, mean, federal, I agree with you. Federal subsidies of, of student debt is a major, major problem. Of course it is. And it's driving tuition up. Be,
5: and the kid that's sincere that says, I owe the money even though the government's backed it. I owe the money. I'm in debt. That kid's got to worry, okay? Right. By the way, the other thing we have to do, and I'm working on it big time at Bucknell, diversity of thought. If, if a kid goes to a university or a college, they should be taught how to think of all the issues surrounding, would you agree with, the, you're an economist, before you make a conclusion, you look at all the facts and you say, well, this is this and this is this. This is right this time. I agree. Okay, we don't have that. And I'm, I'm, I'm pleading and I'm working very hard at Bucknell to get us to have diversity of thought. In fact, I was invited to speak at an event for Hillsdale College Mm -hmm. in Philadelphia and this is very conservative and I got up and I said to the president who was on the podium with me, I said I want you to know that you are known to be a conservative school. I hope you're allowing the other side to have the podium to give their point of view as well. It's all about making the right decision and the more we have facts the more we have knowledge, the more we have all of the factors that go into determining what's the right thing, the better the decision we're going to make.
1: All right. So how do I feel? Okay? You're awesome. Now can Thank I leave? You. I want to go home and go to
5: bed. No.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
3: Next on Squawk Pod.
7: You also have to deal with geopolitical volatility. I don't know how you sleep at night.
3: The chairman and CEO of ConocoPhillips is balancing his company's financials and global politics from Saudi Arabia to Venezuela. Back after this. This is Squawk Pod. Here's Becky Quick. Stand, Becky, by in 3, 2, 1. Cue, please.
4: Welcome back, everybody. Phillips hosted its annual analyst and investment meeting in November and unveiled a 10-year plan for the company. That plan includes a free cash flow projection of $50 billion and a planned $30 billion of stock buybacks just over the next decade. Since that announcement... The stock is up a little under 4%, but in the week after it, it was up by about 7 or 8%. Joining us right now with more on his plan for the company and much more is Ryan Lance. He is ConocoPhillips chairman and CEO. And, Ryan, it's great to see you.
6: Thank you, Becky. Nice to be here. Thanks for coming in. Thank you.
4: Uh, I I think what investors liked about what they heard, not a a huge amount of surprises, but the idea that you are keeping capital expenditures kind of under control, under $7 billion, but at the same time you do expect to see your output increase by about 3% a year. Correct. How do you do that? How do you get more with less? Well,
6: I think it's a part of the portfolio. It's getting a low-cost supply portfolio, trying to generate free cash, We've just decided to embrace the volatility that's naturally in the market in the old price today. So we need to run at a good price, we need to run at a low break-even, have low-cost supply resources. We can grow the company at $7 billion, as you described. We can generate free cash um, below $40 a barrel. And we think that's the key to success. Have a very strong balance sheet to be able to run consistently through these volatile markets. And, uh, and just let our teams be efficient and generate as much output as they can given the capital that we've and the scope that we've set for the for the team.
4: That's a, a great plan to make sure you're not watching too much volatility, but I have to guess you're still kind of watching oil prices, mm. gas prices, what they're doing on a pretty regular basis. Well,
6: yeah, obviously, obviously
2: we watch it, but we just try to take it out of how we think about the company. With that strong balance sheet, you, you're, you're going to see opportunities for consolidation in energy. We had the Oxy-Anadarko deal. I'm not right. sure what you think of that deal, uh, but w- would you be looking for opportunities as we see consolidation?
6: Well, I think what we tried to lay out a plan is we don't we don't need to go after any of those opportunities. We have a hole in our portfolio. We've got a very strong plan over the course of next years. But we've worked really hard to get the balance sheet in the shape that we have. And some consolidation has to happen in this business. We've been in this game, you know, for the last number of years. We've been acquiring assets. We've been looking for distressed players in this in this business. But really, what we have in the portfolio and a plan is we don't need to go do any of that. But we're not blind to what's going on. Yeah, in the market I, I share
7: now. the laugh on Oxy and Anadarko. Say no more. You also have to deal with geopolitical volatility. I don't know how you sleep at night, <laughs> wait, wait. tell us what's going on in Venezuela. What's what's the latest there? Well, it's a
6: pretty tough situation right now in Venezuela. We're working closely. We had a judgment against the Venezuelans for $8 billion, mm-hmm. so we're in the process of trying to recover that. To date, we've recovered just short of $800 million through the judgment and through the payment that they're paying us quarterly. So. But it's a tough situation in country. We have a number of Venezuelan employees that still work for our company. We have families sitting in the country, and the situation is pretty difficult.
5: Now, they're on your payroll, so they're getting paid, thank God. Correct. How are they impacted in terms of the money they have and not being able to buy basics like foods? Well, it, it is,
6: it's very difficult. A lot of our employees are shipping materials back into country, and, and surprisingly, they are getting into country. So medical supplies, food, and staples. For those people who can afford to pay for it. Yeah, people who can, af- can afford to pay for it. Well, I, people, are, I wish, people
5: are evacuating to Colombia.
6: People are leaving
5: the country. I wish Bernie and uh, Bernie Sanders, not Bernie Marcus, Bernie Sanders and uh, Elizabeth Warren and that whole gang, give them a charter flight to Venezuela and say, here, here's what you get when the government does everything for you.
7: What, 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 does this Saudi IPO, I think today's D-Day for getting getting their bids, it may be tomorrow, but I think it's today, right about now, uh, does this impact your business?
6: You know, we were, you know, we were concerned about two things. One, is it going to draw investors away because they're going to offer a value proposition that's quite compelling? Well, listing on the Saudi market for one and a half percent is not going to draw investors mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, when you read their filings, to cover their dividend and their capital program takes 55 to $60. So, you know, that's not going to be, competitive. you know, I'm not worried about that. For, for me, that's in the low 40s. So, you know, they don't offer really a competitive sort of situation for me. I think what's going to be interesting is the impact it has on government policy now as Aramco goes, goes public and the intera- interaction between that. And it's more Because it's clear they need a certain price and market share mm-hmm. is no longer an issue for them. Right. So I think it does have implications longer term on sort of how we think about the market and think about the commodity price and what, it, what it's going to take to stabilize that.
5: But there's really no incentive to be messing around with pricing because if you cut, they're going to cut. Absolutely. So you're all getting the same physical share, but you're making less dollars. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. No, I think it's been clear all along that I, you know, the, an increase
6: in the price is better off for, for, for OPEC and for the countries to fund the budget. Mm-hmm. And still do. Balance the budget in Saudi Arabia level takes even a higher price than right. 55 or 60
7: And you and I were talking off air that the Saudi Aramco IPO is structured in a bit of a heads I win tails-you-lose. You know they, When the price goes up, they get if to you, collect we're, more.
4: You're talking about from the company's perspective. From the company's <laughs> from perspective, pardon me. <laughs>
7: right, yeah. Yeah. When the price of oil goes up, they get to collect a higher percentage. No, they cream the upside. So right.
6: they, they're taking a disproportionate share of the upside, given to the filings that they've mm-hmm. described and the dividends that they're going to give back to the investors. It's going to be limited and capped as if if oil prices were, were to rise.
4: Ryan, what do you think about the, the economy? Because we've had this raging debate about whether things are improving, whether we've skipped the recession, or whether that's just around the corner. You've got to look globally uh, to see what's going to happen to the price of oil.
6: Yeah, you know we, we see a slowdown. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely slowing down, but it, it looks like to us it's kind of bottom, bottoming a bit. We see demand fairly healthy next year on the oil side, about you know, a million barrels a day in growth in oil demand. Uh, the balance the market 's thinly balanced at a fifty to sixty dollar kind of world as long as OPEC keeps uh, you know one one point five million barrels a day off the market like they 've been doing the u s is going to grow again next year we will produce probably close to a million or more barrels of liquids per day again next wow. year of incremental growth wow. so the the unconventionals and what the u s is doing has been remarkable that 's going to continue now productivity is slowing a little bit, so you might say that it 's turning over just a little bit as the access to capital for some of the smaller ENPs is reduced. The banks are, are not loaning. The IPO markets aren't available to these companies. So we see some you know, lessening of, of, of that impact. But there's going to be growth out of the U.S., and it's probably going to consume all of the demand growth, which is going to keep a knock on price as long as OPEC keeps doing So prices at
5: the pump ought to be fairly stable. Yes. I don't That's think important for the consumer by the way. And that's we're getting a dividend from that right now in the economy because they're paying less. On, on, Plus, they're buying cars that are more efficient. So they're getting it two ways. They're, they're getting better utilization of the gas they're buying at a stable price.
2: And you, you have a lower cost on the industrial side because of natural gas pricing. Talk real quick about what you're thinking with natural gas. Yeah,
5: natural gas in the U.S., we're
6: blessed with a 100 year supply. <laughs> it's going to be for a long period of time. So manufacturing is, is benefiting from that. Uh, uh cost of the gas, and, and as we look at that, there's going to be plenty of natural gas even around the globe and around the world, which helps in the, in the transition, helps in the climate debate, and, uh, and, and is really going to help manufacturing here in the U.S. That's why some of that manufacturing has come back to the U.S. over the last decade. We represent some of the lowest cost gas in the, in the entire world
7: today. You, you have a huge intellectual property portfolio. I'm <clears> curious <throat> if you have a view on the China trade war from the perspective of going after IP <laughs> theft. Well,
6: we're one of the two cases in front of the WTO on that very topic <laughs> so you might have right a view. now. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. And certainly, uh, I, think, and I think the Chinese recognize that it's a problem and certainly something that needs to, needs to be fixed and needs to be addressed going forward if they're going to achieve the ambitions that they have as a country as Meaning well. They're going to they have to said,
4: recognize they suddenly, that. Have IP yeah, my, my they suddenly have IP, too. Pardon me? They suddenly have IP, too. Yeah, they, they do. Like that, they, that
5: they're going to need to protect. But but my problem with IP with the Chinese is they'll acknowledge it but you have no way to prosecute it. This is part of the problem that is having. If you have a valid claim, where do I go prosecute it? And the Chinese say, that's internal, you can't tell us what to do. Well, that puts no teeth. Right, so yeah. they have to address those issues. Of course, issues. So that's, I, I that's, that's, that's part of what is what
6: holding out for. Right. That's what makes this uh, agreement between our two countries exactly. difficult.
7: it sounds like you, you think something had to be done. Yes, yeah,
6: I think, you know, you've got to draw the line somewhere mm-hmm. at some point in time and say, you know, they're not enough's enough. Yep.
4: Yep. Ryan, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Today. Yeah, thank
6: you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. Come back,
4: it. Uh, Ryan Lance again is the chairman and CEO of ConocoPhillips.
3: That's the show for today. On our rundown tomorrow, the CEO of CVS on reinventing the corner drugstore, and maybe why are their receipts so long?
1: Now we're finished with you. We're heading well, all that was th- Smooth, huh? Yeah, that that was smooth. Smooth. yeah. We're finished. Bye bye. Thanks, though.
3: Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, I say this every day, but really, really, we want you to do it, subscribe to Squawk Pod. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
2: We are clear. Thanks, guys.
0: What is Decision Tech by Fidelity? It's technology that can help you find a stock based on what's trending or an investing goal. It's real-time insights and information delivered in your own customized view of the market. It's smarter trading technology for smarter trading decisions. And it's only from Fidelity. Open an account today at fidelity.com trading. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC.